0: All right, Ephesians chapter 5, and read verses 17 through 20. Paul says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you remember last time we were together, we were dealing with the whole topic of pleasing God and finding out what pleases the Lord. And here it even says, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And it's not an accident that the very next thing he says right after that is what? Don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. All right. Now we're going to get to that a little bit later on. Why Paul uses the illustration of getting drunk with wine and ties that to being filled with the spirit as we get into that. But what I want to do to start off with is really take some time to help you guys understand. I don't think Christians fully understand, and I can't say I fully understand it myself either, but I, I don't think we really understand how important it is to be empowered by the Holy Spirit in our daily lives and to do whatever it is that God asks us to do. If I were to start a verse in John chapter, first, chapter 15, verse 5, most of y'all, if not all of y'all, could, could finish it for me. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 5, Apart from me you can do... Nothing. Now, I want you to let this sink in for a minute, because I don't think we realize how important it is to understand the fact that we need the Spirit of God to empower us to do anything that it is He asks of us to do. All right. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. Oh, we're capable of many things. We're capable of doing lots of stuff. But the Bible says anything done independent of God or anything not done by God Himself is being done in the flesh, and the flesh counts for nothing before God. So I really want to just take some time tonight to kind of walk you through this, really, this understanding of the Spirit. L- let me put a bookmark here in Ephesians 5, go with me to John chapter 20, because there's something that Jesus does in John chapter 20, after He rises from the dead, there on the first day of the week, uh, on the day that He had rose from the, risen from the dead. In John chapter 20 verses 19 through 22, He does something when He meets with His disciples in the upper room, that has caused a lot of confusion over the years uh, to people. In John chapter 20, verses 19 through 22, it says, On the evening of that day, that is the first day of the week, that's the day that He rose from the dead, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When He had said this, He showed them His hands and His side, Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so am I sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, if you haven't even seen this before, you might be sitting there going, Wait a minute. I thought the Holy Spirit doesn't come until Acts chapter 2. And you're right. The Holy Spirit doesn't come to indwell them until Acts chapter 2. What is going on here? I want you to understand that Jesus knew full well because He's God and He created us. They couldn't even do what He needed them to do and wanted them to do between then and when the Holy Spirit came unless He empowered them to do it. And so with that understanding, He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit at that moment did not come to indwell them, but actually came upon them in power, all right? Just like in the Old Testament, you see the spirit of God come upon somebody and then sometimes God would remove his spirit from someone. Let me, I'll take you there and let you see it for yourself. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10, look at verses one through seven. We'll see when, when uh, God's uh, chosen Saul to be king and in 1 Samuel chapter 10, we see him becoming anointed, if you will, or the Holy Spirit coming upon him. All right, First Samuel chapter 10 says, Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head, meaning Saul, and kissed him and said, Has not the Lord anointed you to be prince over his people Israel? And you shall reign over the people of the Lord and you shall save them from the hand of their surrounding enemies. And this shall be the sign to you that the Lord has anointed you to be prince over his heritage. When you depart from me today, you'll meet two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin, at Zelzah, and they will say to you, The donkeys that you went to seek for are found, and now your father has ceased to care about the donkeys and is anxious about you, saying, What shall I do about my son? Then you shall go on from there, father, and come to the oak of Tabar. Three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you there, one carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine and they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall accept from their hand. After that you shall come to Gilbeath Elohim, where there is a garrison of the Philistines. And there, as soon as you come to the city, you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with harp, tambourine, flute, and lyre before them, prophesying. Then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you And you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Now when these signs meet you, do what your hand finds to do, for God is with you." And if you were to keep reading, everything that the prophet Samuel said was going to happen, happened, and the Spirit of God came upon Saul and empowered him in such a way that he started prophesying, and everybody started saying, is Saul among the prophets? Now again, Here's the Spirit of God coming upon him to empower him for what God had for him to do in his role as king. Now, if you know the whole story of Saul, and we're not going to take the time to turn there, because of his disobedience, what does God end up doing with the Spirit of God in Saul? He removed it from him. And then he anointed David to become the king. And go to Psalm 51. You'll see David write something very interesting that unfortunately too many Christians have prayed this type of a prayer, it applied to David because the Spirit of God came upon him, but it does not apply to us Christians who have had the Spirit of God come to indwell us and we're gonna take the time to lay that all out. So as we get into being filled with the Spirit, I really want you to kinda understand a lot of the things that the Scripture teaches about the Spirit. In Psalm 51, look at verses one through 12. This is after he'd committed the sin with Bathsheba. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, and you only, have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words, and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me me with a willing spirit." Look at what David says. He says, God, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Now why was he saying that? Is that something that Christians should pray? Don't take it? No. As I'm going to show you from Scripture, if you're a born-again believer, we're living in this time period where the Spirit of God doesn't come upon us, but the Spirit of God comes to indwell us. And as you're going to see, He's there, and when He comes, He stays forever. So we need to understand, in this moment here, David's living in the time when the Spirit of God would come upon somebody and empower them to do what it is God wanted them to do. That's why David says, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. He'd already seen it happen to Saul. All right. Now, back in John chapter 20, we're not have to turn there, but in John chapter 20, you'll see what's happened is, is Jesus comes and these people are all hiding in the upper room there for fear of the Jews. The doors are all locked. They're powerless to do anything. They're scared to death. And he comes and he breathes on them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God came upon them to empower them to do whatever they needed to do that God wanted them to do until the day that the Holy Spirit came to live within them forever. All right. So I just bring that out to you to just say to you this. I don't think we realize how important it is, even today, that we learn how to live Not only in the spirit, but walk in the spirit or be filled with the spirit. Because if you don't have the spirit of God empowering you, you can't please God. Apart from him doing it, you can do nothing. Then too many of us have tried to do the will of God and the work of God in our own strength, in our own power. And you ever heard the term someone say, man, I'm burnout. You ever hear about burnout in ministry and burnout? Let me ask you a simple question, folks, according to your knowledge of the scriptures. Does the Holy Spirit ever run out? Yeah. No. Doesn't he promise rivers of living water? Doesn't he say you'll never thirst again? And let me just tell you, and take it from a guy who's been burnt out in ministry. It wasn't because the Holy Spirit ran out, it's because I was running on my own strength and on my own power, and I hadn't learned how to let the Spirit of God empower me, and I hadn't learned how to only do what the Spirit of God was telling me to do, instead of letting everybody else decide what my job description was. And folks, let me just tell you, when you learn to understand what it means to be filled with the Spirit, we're going to get there tonight, when you really understand what it means to be filled with the Spirit, you'll then start to experience that light yoke and that easy burden that Jesus promises. You'll actually get to see his power, and you actually see stuff happen that you know wasn't you, and you're going to see yourself be changed into somebody that is different. Isn't that what happened when the Spirit came upon Saul? He was changed into another man. People looked at him and said, That's, who, who's that? What happened to him? That is capable for us Christians, but you know what's sad today? Most Christians in the world today don't look a whole lot different from the rest of the world, even though we are. In our nature, we are different from the rest of the world, but we don't look a whole lot different. I was preaching at a place last night, and I was preaching on, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And I was preaching a message on that. And a man in the middle of the sermon, he was sitting right down here. He raised his hand, and he says, I just think we just need to do the best we can. Well, he didn't know what he just signed up for, because it totally changed the whole message. I began to preach to him, said, everybody else, you're welcome to listen in, but we got to go here. And it... But you know the sad thing is, is that is actually the attitude I deal with as I go around the country to different churches. I'm doing the best I can. I'm hanging in there trying to do what I think is pleasing God. I'm hoping what I'm doing. I'm working hard for God. I'm doing the best I can. What is? I mean, what does God want from me? You've never learned what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And there's bad, bad teaching along that line. We're going to try to hopefully clear some of that up as well. So as we go into now being, me teaching you what it means to be filled with the Spirit, First, understand the importance of the Spirit of God empowering you to do what it is that He wants you to do. Apart from Him, you can do nothing. All right? Now, all Jesus did there was just empower them. The Spirit of God came upon them. He breathed on them. And the Spirit of God came upon them to empower them to do what He needed them to do between then and when the Spirit came to indwell. But now you're about to see there's a big difference between the temporary empowering when the Spirit of God came upon them and the permanent and indwelling. So let's take a look. Go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Now, by the way, this will help you stick with me here. When Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, what, when did that happen? What day was it? We saw it from the Scriptures. It was on the day He rose from the dead. It was that first day of the week that He rose from the dead. That very same day, that evening, they're in the upper room hiding. He shows up and He breathes on them at that moment, okay? Now, here in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, this is at the very end of the 40 days that Jesus appeared to His disciples and was on the earth after His resurrection. As you're about to see, He's about to ascend to the Father, all right? This is, so this is 40 days later. Listen to what Jesus says 40 days after He had already breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, verses 1 and following, it says in the first book, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. All right. He says, I already breathed on you to receive the Holy Spirit, but you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. All right. So when they had come together, verse six, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the season. The father is set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. All right. So listen to what's going on. Forty days later, Jesus says, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the gift that the Father has promised. Well, we got to now know what is the promise? What's this gift that the Father's promised? Go with me back to John chapter 14. In John chapter 14, you will see what the Father's promised in verses 15 through 26. John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you. How long? Forever. Forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be where? In In you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you're in me and I'm in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he is it who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, but the other Judas said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the word that you hear is not mine, but the father who sent me. All right. And look at what it says in verse 25. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So what was it that the Father had promised that he told them to wait in Jerusalem until they received what the Father had promised? What did the Father promised? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. But more than that, the Holy Spirit what? Coming to and live within them. How long? Forever. Forever. Folks, David wrote, don't take your Holy Spirit from me because at that time, God would remove the Holy Spirit from someone. He was empowering them for a point per purpose, and if they were walking in disobedience, he would remove the spirit by his choosing. David had walked in disobedience and he said, God, please don't do to me like you did to Saul, and God in his mercy did not. But Christians should not be praying that in fear that God might take his Holy Spirit from him. He doesn't said David. David was in a different time period. We're now living in the time period in which the Spirit of God comes to indwell us, and He does it forever. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says, He will never leave us nor forsake us. Keep that in your mind. Well, Jim, when does that happen? When does the Holy Spirit come to indwell us now? We see in Acts chapter 2 that the Spirit of God came upon them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And we're going to get into that in a little bit. But when does the Holy Spirit come to indwell us? Well, go to Ephesians. You should all remember that. I taught on you from Ephesians chapter 1 about a year or two ago, wasn't it? (laughs) Ephesians chapter 1. It was the summer of 2000. (laughs) Exactly, that was a long time. You know what? This is really cool. I was talking with somebody recently, and we were talking about how long it's taken to go through Ephesians. And the point was made: I'm not really teaching Ephesians. I'm teaching you the Bible, and using the Book of Ephesians to do it. That'll help you, folks. We're not. We're not doing. When are we going to finish the Book of Ephesians? Well, guess what? We're really not studying the Book of Ephesians, are we? We're studying the Bible. And using the book of Ephesians to help us understand the Bible. And that'll help you out. Now, we're going to go on to Philippians and Colossians next, but we're really going to keep studying the whole of the scriptures. Because as we study it that way, it, becomes, it makes sense as you put it all together. So that'll help you out if you say, well, we've been in Ephesians forever. We're not studying Ephesians. We're studying the Bible. All right. Now, in Ephesians chapter 1, look at what it says in verses 13 and 14. It says, in him, meaning in Jesus, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. When did you receive the Holy Spirit to come live within you as a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance? When you believed the word of truth. That moment you trusted Him as your Savior, that's when the Spirit of God comes to indwell you, and you are sealed by God's Spirit. You are His Forever. Oh, I love this little picture. It says it's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. God puts you on layaway. Remember layaway? How many of you even remember layaway? Remember layaway? Yeah, yeah you, 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 you wanted that couch, but you didn't have enough. So you said, here's a hundred bucks. Go put that couch in the back and put my name on it. That's my couch. I'm coming back for it, right? Man, God put His Spirit on you and in you. He sealed you as His, and He put His name on you, and He says that one's mine. I'm coming back for that one. It's a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. When did it happen? It happened at the moment you trust. Let me tell you something cool happened last night where I was preaching. This one guy, while I was preaching, he was sitting over on the side and it looked like he was just frustrated. He 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 didn't even want to be there. And he was a young kid in his 20s and had dark hair, but up here was kind of purple or whatever, and he just kind of sat there all slumped over. And I think he was sleeping most of the time. I thought so, you know. But I've learned over the years, look, I'm just going to preach what God tells me to preach and I'll leave the rest to him. It's not my job to get this kid to wake up. You know, too many of us said, you need to sit up, boy, you need to pay attention. Now, trust God to do what he needs to do. And I just kept preaching. When the message was over, people all came down to talk to me and because I would offered people if they want to trust Christ or whatever, come see me and I'll sit down here at the front and we'll talk. And this kid stayed when everybody else left and a bunch of people were waiting to talk. This kid stayed and I could see him kind of standing over there. So I I called him. and I said, are you wanting to talk to me, too? He said, yeah, but in private. And all the other guys, they said, well, you know, we just wanted to say hi to Jim. You know, we're just going to take off. You you talk to him. And they all took off. I got along with him. I said, what's your name? He said his name was Chris. I said, well, what's going on? How can I help you? And he said, well, you know, you're talking about, you know, living by faith and living for God and letting him walk, uh, show you his will and, and, and walking with him. That's my problem. And I said, let me ask you a simple question. Have you ever come to a point where you trusted Jesus as your Savior? He said, That's the problem. I said, What's that? He said, <sighs> He said, A while back I did, but I really didn't fully trust God. I'd be honest with you, when I prayed that prayer, I doubted. I said, Well, let me ask you a question right now. I said, Do you believe now? He said, I do. I said, Do you believe Jesus is God? And he looked at me and he said, Jesus is God. And then, all of a sudden, something happened to him where he just started to sob. Just, he said, what's happening to me? I said, dude, you just got saved. He didn't even pray a magic prayer. I said, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter, I forget where it exactly, I think it's chapter 2, that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You couldn't say what you just said unless the Spirit of God gave you the power. Guess what? Flesh and blood didn't open your eyes, my friend. You just put your full faith in Jesus Christ and you get saved right there in front of me. And he goes, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Isn't that cool? That really the whole time I thought he was sleeping. <laughs> boy, if we just stop trying to help God and believe that God was able to do what he's going to do and just live it and trust him. And boy, it's kind of fun, isn't it? You, the moment you believe. All these years I've watched people walk the aisle. I've come to realize they're already saved before they even got there. You got up that moment and said, I believe, I'm gonna go forward and confess it. You probably got saved before you get out of your seat. Because when you believe, it's when you believe, he seals you with his spirit. He seals you with his spirit. Now, I could take more time to show you the fact that the Bible teaches that he's with you forever, but I got a lot more to cover. Hopefully you do understand. The Spirit of God, when he comes in, will never leave you. There's too many people talking about how you might lose your salvation, all that kind of stuff. The Bible's so clear. If his spirit comes to indwell you, you are sealed. You're his. All right? Now, uh, let's go on to something else. Being indwelt by God's Spirit, though, is not the same thing as being filled with God's Spirit. There is a difference. All right? We've already talked about the, the Spirit of God came upon people in the Old Testament to empower them. The Spirit of God at Acts chapter 2 came to indwell. That was what the Father had promised, that the Spirit would come and He'd make His home with them, they'd live within Him and be with Him forever. That happened, you know, at that moment. And then from that moment on, when anybody trusted, the Spirit of God came upon them. Isn't that what happened? All the way through, as you see, whenever they would preach, people would believe and the Spirit of God came upon them and they say, hey, Spirit of God came upon them like He came upon us. Why can't they be baptized and these kind of thing? When the moment you trust Christ, that's when your Spirit of God comes to indwell you. But listen, there is a difference between having God's Spirit indwell you and being filled with the Spirit. Can anybody give me an example from this verse right here in Ephesians chapter 5? Can anybody tell me here in verse 17? I'm sorry, in verse 18, how you can prove to me that there is a difference between being indwelt by the Spirit of God and being filled by the Spirit of God? It's a real simple thing. Who is Paul writing to? Church. Believers. He's writing to the church there, right? In Ephesus, and we passed around to all the believers. He's writing to Christians who already have the Spirit of God indwelling them, and he's telling them, be filled. There's a difference between having the Spirit indwell you and the Spirit filling you. We need to know what that means. We need to know what that is. In Ephesians chapter 4, remember in chapter 4, verse 30, Paul put it this way. He said, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You can have the Spirit of God seal you and be indwelling you, but at the same time, you can grieve the Holy Spirit. The other times, please see the Bible talks about quenching the Holy Spirit, putting out the Spirit's fire. He doesn't leave. But we can live our lives as Christians, sealed by God in Christ, Christ in us, sealed for eternity. But we can live our lives in such a way that the Spirit of God has no evidence, no power, and the world will see there's nothing really different than us, even though there is a lot different in us. We need to learn what it means to be filled. Alright, let me just clarify a couple things though that you need to understand. The Spirit's filling is not getting more of God's Spirit poured out on you. There are those who will teach that the Spirit of God comes upon you and, and all of a sudden you're, the Spirit just poured out on you, no, 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 no. I need to show you scripturally what the Bible says. Let me show you two places, 2 Peter chapter one. 2 Peter chapter one and look at verses uh, verse three. 2 Peter chapter one, verse three. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. Let me read it to you again. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his, to his own glory and excellence. Let me paraphrase this for you. When you got saved, you already got all of God you need. Is Jesus himself living in you according to the scriptures? Do you have the fullness of God living within you? Do you need more of God? No. No, so the filling of the Spirit is not getting more of God. You've got all of God there. So the filling of the Spirit must not be, I need more. No, you've got it all. Let me show you another verse that clarifies this. Go to Colossians chapter two. Colossians chapter two, verses nine and 10. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 it says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, meaning Jesus. Alright, for in Jesus the whole fullness of deity, godness, if you will, God himself dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In other words, you see what he's saying? In Jesus is the fullness of God, and you have received all of Jesus. Alright, so this filling of the Spirit can't be you getting more of the spirit from outside of you because you've already got all of God inside of you. As you're about to see, the filling of the spirit is learning how to let the Jesus who lives within you have control from the inside out. It's actually learning to let him take control of our mind and our thoughts and our actions. All of us. It's being empowered by the spirit of God from within, not from without. You know, we, we, we tend to, a lot of times, say, Lord, pour your spirit upon me. He says, you already got all of me. You already got all of me. I want you learn to let me have control. That is wisdom. And, uh, you want to have a real biblical understanding of the word being filled? Every time you see the word be filled or filled with the spirit, add the word, change it to the word controlled or under the control of, and it'll help you understand all the place. And so and so, under the control of the Holy Spirit, did this. And so and so, under the control of the Holy Spirit, did this. Well, let me give you a couple examples of this. Alright, go to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and then we're going to go into Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, and I see some examples of the Spirit's filling. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said, but you will receive what? Power. Power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the other most and the ends of the earth. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and he comes to indwell you, you're going to receive the power of God. Now, you remember earlier we we read in Ephesians how Paul was praying specifically that we would what? Let me take you back there real quick. In Ephesians chapter 1. He said, "For this reason, because I have heard of your faith, this is verse fifteen. Because of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all, toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having your eyes enlightened, that you may know the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in saints." In the what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us to those who believe." Did you see, what, this has been all along, what Paul's talking about here is what has been his prayer all along for us believers. We already dealt with that whole section, how God, is Paul's praying through the Spirit of God that we would have our eyes open to what is available within us, that already indwells us the power of God Himself, that we would have our eyes open and wisdom, receive wisdom and revelation so that we would know what is now there. And he goes on to say, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives within you and me. Do I have more power than you? According to the scriptures, no, I don't. Are there those who have learned to let Jesus have control, and therefore they have more power manifested? Without question. Again, don't think, well, that person, they, that per- God gave them more power. No, 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 That means they got more of Jesus than you did. According to the scriptures, that's not possible. You all got Jesus in you. The question is, are you gonna learn to let Jesus have control? Go to Acts chapter two, verses 14 through 21. This is Peter. This is right after the Spirit's come to indwell them in chapter two, verse 14, but Peter standing with the 11 lifted up his voice and addressed the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you and give ear to my words for these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall, it, it shall be, God declares, that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And again, it doesn't mean on the outside in, this is the coming to indwell. And your sons and your daughters will shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on My male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out My Spirit and they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved." Um, who's preaching here? The Holy Spirit. Good answer. It's Peter. But the Holy Spirit has come upon him and he, or in the sense of the Spirit, that has come to indwell him, has taken over control of Peter in such a way that all of a sudden, who's actually talking through him? The, Spirit. the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's actually doing the talking. Verse 4. Verse four. Look at verse 4. And it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. The Spirit gave them utterance. Now, we're not going to, for the sake of time tonight, get into this Dreaming Dreams and visions and that kind of stuff in the tongues. I can teach on that later, but for right now, for where we need to go, we can't take the time to go there. Let me just say, there is a lot of misunderstanding about the prophesying and the Dreaming Dreams and all this kind of stuff, yet at the same time, there's a lot of fear of things that are actual biblical. All right. So we have to, as you hopefully understand over the years, my desire is to teach you a balanced understanding of the scripture where we're not avoiding things that the Bible actually teaches. Yet at the same time, we're not turning it into something the Bible doesn't teach. Okay. Let's keep going. Go to Acts chapter four. Look at verses five through 12. Chapter, sorry, chapter four, verses five through 12. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem, with Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled or under the control of the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Let me ask you a question. Who was Peter saying this to? Does anybody know who this is? It's who? It's high priest and who else? Sadducees. And the, does anybody know this is the same group that had decided to put Jesus to death? This is that same group that had that trial put together in the middle of the night and they had their little secret meetings and they decided to have him put to death. Peter... This is the same Peter, by the way, who wouldn't even tell a little servant girl that he even knew Jesus or had even heard of him. And he's now standing in front of the same group that had Jesus put to death. And he said, let me just tell you, you want to know by by what power? The same Jesus whom you crucified. He rose from the dead. Now, i got to be honest with you, folks. (laughs) I'm pretty sure Peter walked back out of there and said, guys, I don't know who that was, but (laughs) that was pretty cool. (laughs) Had Peter been rehearsing his sermon how many of you have said over the years, I, uh, I probably can't share my faith with somebody because I haven't studied enough or I haven't been to school, I haven't. Do You realize how much we have, without realizing it, man-centered doing the things of God and we have gone away from trusting that the same God who said in that day, you don't even have to worry about what you're gonna say, I will give you the words. But we sit around and say, well, I don't know the Bible as well as somebody else. Who wrote the Bible? Who wrote the Bible? Jesus. Who lives inside of you? Jesus. Guess what? You can't use that Bible school excuse anymore, folks, if you're really honest. And you don't have to worry about doing it like somebody else. Why don't you just trust that if God's asked you to say something, trust that God will give you the words. Let me give you an example. Just recently, I was on a golf course about three or four days ago. I don't remember what day. Maybe might be a week ago. I've lost track. But I just really wanted to tell these guys that I was playing with about Jesus. But I kept saying, Lord, I want to do it the way you want me to do it. I want to, I want to do it under your spirit's power. I want to, just give me, give me the word. Show me what you want me to do. And God kept saying, wait. So I played another hole. He said, wait. I said, oh, I'm getting frustrated. I mean, God, I'm supposed to tell him about you, you know. And we get to the last hole. Now, by the way, at this point, they already know that I'm a preacher. Usually guys will say, hey, what do you do for a living? You know, and I always say, you don't want to know, you know. And uh, um, So at this point, we get to the 18th hole, and God then said, here's what you say. And I turned to these guys as we put the flag back in the 18th hole. And I turned to them, and I said, you guys have been with me this whole round. You know I'm a preacher, and I haven't tried to hound you or preach at you. I'm going to leave you with one thought. The same Jesus who came to this earth 2,000 years ago is coming back, and you need to be ready. And the only way you can be ready is if you know why he came the first time and that's all i'm supposed to say to you i'll be honest with you as soon as i got in the car i called my buddy tony i said tony let me just tell you what god gave me he goes that's good i was like i didn't get it that's just like I, i can't wait to preach that as a sermon i can't wait to develop it the same jesus who has been here and we know he's been here is coming back and the only way you can be ready For his return is to know why he came in the first place. Isn't that good? I didn't write it. God gave it to me. Folks, let me just tell you you have that same ability because Jesus lives within you if you learn to listen and to recognize his voice. And maybe. Maybe we stop after tonight's lesson when we come back next week, maybe we just deal with how to know God's talking and learning how to recognize. Maybe we'll see. I can't make any promises. I'm just going to go where I think God wants us to go. But I want you to understand, is that Peter talking that we just read? Is that Peter? Well, the answer is yes and no. It's still Peter, but it's the Spirit of God taking control. And folks, this is an understanding of the filling of the Spirit. Don't get caught up into it looks like this or people are going to fall down. And No, no. It's the Spirit of God within you taking full control. And that is possible for all of us. Actually, well, go back to Ephesians 5. Let's take a look at what it says here in verse 18. Let's, we're going to break this down. Verse 18, this is so cool when you take the time. And this might help if you want to write it down this way. All right, when he says, be filled with the Spirit, there's actually in the Greek, it makes a ton of sense when you actually break it down. And let me just tell you, I'm not the Greek scholar. I got people who do this for me. And when they did this study for me and showed me what this was, I thought, slow down. I'm going to write this down because I'm going to share it with other people. All right, be filled. When Paul says, be filled, it's in the imperative. All right, which means it's a command. All right, it's a command to every believer, As you're about to see. It's a command to be filled with the Spirit. It's not an option. A lot of us have been acting like it was an option. A lot of us have been living most of our lives as Christians like it was an option. It's not an option. It's a command from God, be filled with the Spirit. Listen to me say it to the way the Bible says it. Don't be foolish, but understand what God's will is. He didn't want you under the control of alcohol, which leads to problems. But he wants you under the control of the Holy Spirit. So listen, be filled. It's a command, Christians. Here's another thing about it though. It's not only a command, it's in the present tense. In the Greek, it's not only in the imperative, it's also in the present tense, which means it doesn't say you should have been filled or you should be filled in the future. It's a command, be filled now. It's always be filled now. Not only is it a command, not only is it in the present tense, it's also in the plural. It's not to one person, it's to everyone. For us in the south, it maybe help you understand it, it says in the Greek, be filled y'all. Actually, I preached this one time and this one guy came up to me afterwards, he said in the south, he says all, y'all is not plural, because you can say y'all to an individual, all y'all is plural. So, okay, for those of you that are really deep south, be filled all y'all, alright? Listen, this is a command. I want, if you don't hear anything tonight, may the Spirit of God help you hear, you must be filled. That should be the thing you should be focusing on. Again, don't run to the special preacher who's got the power and the Spirit of God. No, you've already got Jesus in you. Let him have control. Oh, there's something else in here too, though. Not only is it a command and the imperative, not only is it in the present tense now, it's not only plural for everyone, it's also in the passive voice, which means that it's not something you do, but it's something you have done to you. So actually, it's be being filled, all you all, all right? Be being filled. You receive it by faith. Are you receiving it from outside? No, you're receiving it from within. You believe, you believe that what God has said, he will do. How did you get saved? You believe that what God said he would do, right? How do you be filled? You believe that what God has said he will do. Colossians chapter 2 again. In the same way, in which, verse 6, in the same way in which you receive Jesus as Lord, walk in him. You've got to know what he says. You believe that what he said will happen and you do whatever it is he's asked you to do because he said he would empower you to do everything he's asked you to do. All right? Now, with that in mind then how right how how by faith that's not good enough let's be honest there's we need more and actually in this passage we see some of the more Uh, go with me to Colossians chapter 2 and look at verse 6 that I just quoted to you but I'm gonna read also into verse 7 and you're going to see how verse 7 actually looks a lot like chapter 5 of Ephesians, verses 17 through 20. Look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 again. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in what? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. This is important. All right? Go back to Ephesians chapter 5 and listen again to what Paul says here. Verse 17. Therefore... Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And don't get drunk or under the control of wine, for that is debauchery, but be under the control of the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now you're going to see something here, as I'm going to take the time we have left, the 15 minutes we have left, to kind of break this down for you. Jesus in John chapter 7 stood at this feast and he said, If anyone is thirsty, let him what? Come to me and drink. And out of him will flow rivers of living water. Remember that? We did that when we trusted Christ as our Savior. Good for you. You've been sealed by God. But the Bible says that it's a command to us as believers to keep drinking. You're not going to lose your salvation. You're sealed, the Spirit of God's indwelling you, and you're going to heaven. But at the same time, are you experiencing this power that Paul's been praying for us? Are you experiencing the joy and the peace that the scripture talks about? Or are you just like pretty much everybody else, except you know you're going to heaven when you die? If you are just like everybody else, except you know you're going to heaven when you die, let me just tell you, you're missing out on a lot that is available to all of us. Now, again, don't turn it into something that's unbiblical. Let's just start to begin to start to appropriate what it is that we have already within us. And how do we do this? We start by being grateful and thanking God for what He's already said, what He's promised, and in the midst of whatever it is we're going through, we worship Him with an attitude that says, it's going to be alright. That's how it begins. Now, you remember, you remember um, Sound of Music? Remember that song? I'm not going to sing it, because I don't want you all running out. Remember the song? I simply remember my favorite things, and then I don't feel so bad. There's actually a little bit of truth in that song. Again, we're not gonna become new agers and not just have a positive mental attitude and I'll be fine. No, if you don't have Christ within you, get good luck. You can think you're gonna be good all you want, but it ain't gonna stop the bus. You know what I'm saying? If if but if you're in Christ, what has already been promised to us? What's that? Eternal life. What else? Keep going. He's promised peace. He's given us his spirit. What else? He's promised us joy. He's promised that he'll never leave us. He promised that he'll meet every need. We can approach his throne with boldness. We don't have to tiptoe into his presence. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, well, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let me just show you what I'm talking about here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, look at what's going on here. It's time we Christians really started to believe what's already here in the book. Look at chapter 4, therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not what? We do not lose heart. Jump down to verse 7. But we have this treasure, Christ himself, God himself, in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, many of us are perplexed, but not driven to despair persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Did you see this? We need to take some time and say, you know what? I am perplexed, but I'm not going to be driven to despair because God has said he's got a plan and I trust him. In Acts chapter 16, verse 25, Paul and Silas were out there doing what God told them to do. They were actually going into these places to preach the good news of salvation through faith in Jesus. As they were doing, these girls who had demons in them started following them and saying, These are men of the, from the Most High God. They're telling you the way to be saved. And even though they were telling the truth, Paul didn't want the, the demons preaching. He wanted God preaching, and so he turned and cast the demons out of these girls. What happened next? People got mad. They came and grabbed them and beat them up and chained them and threw them in the inner cell. What happened at midnight while well, they're sitting in the middle of that chained up cell, bleeding? They were Ephesians to Ephesians 5.19. They were singing songs to God. They were just praising God. I'm not going to break any confidence here. Well, they yeah, they were, but they had let the Spirit take control. Because we choose whether or not the Spirit takes control. So they get some credit in the sense that they... They chose to let him. I'm not going to break any confidence here, but I had someone send me a text today because I just really felt like, they sent a text last night saying, please pray for me. This is all going on and I'm devastated and I'm, I'm, I'm just, I don't know what to do. And I sent a text this morning saying, I'm praying for you. And I wrote this. I wrote, I'm praying for you this morning. I prayed that you'll be able to receive what Jesus is offering and that circumstances would not determine your outlook or your peace. And then I put in parentheses, actually, that's a good prayer for all of God's children in Christ. John 16, where Jesus says, in this world you're going to have trouble, but in me you're going to have peace. The person wrote back, thank you. He has answered, I'm starting to understand that what I want is delivering grace, while God just wants to give me sustaining grace, daily manna, instead of the parting of the Red Sea. And I wrote back, good for you. Do you see what's going on? This person in the midst of their despair was saying, God, when are you going to fix this? God says, "What if I don't?" You ever notice in Genesis 15, God shows up to Abram, and he hadn't—he's already promised him a child that hadn't happened yet. And God shows up in Genesis 15:1 and says, "Abram, I am your shield, your very great reward." In other words, whether you get a kid or not it shouldn't be the issue. I'm enough. But Abram's as human as you and I. He goes, "Yeah, but Lord, it looks like my servant's going to be my heir." And God and His patience continue to work with him. Folks, you want to begin to experience the filling of the Spirit? Don't think it's something for somebody else. You begin by praising Him. Be thankful. You don't focus on your struggle. You focus on Him and what He has said. And you don't just read the verse and hope it helps. You claim it. You believe it. You say, Lord, you said it. I know it's true, and you've got me. I don't know how this is going to all work out, and it may not even work out like, well, how did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego put it? When the king said, is your God able to deliver you from this fire? I love their answer. Oh, yeah, he's able. But whether or not he will, it don't change a thing. We're not worshiping because he's going to take care of us. We're worshiping because of who he is. And as Job put it, even if he slays me, yet will I trust him. Folks, you want to begin to experience the filling of the Spirit? Don't go to some special service. You begin by making melody in your heart to the Lord. And then, only that, you start speaking this to each other. And you get together and you encourage each other. And you send them a text saying, I'm praying for you, my brother and my sister, that you'll claim and believe what God is offering you. And when they do, they start to experience the feeling of the Spirit. I didn't even give her that. But she had the Spirit of God open her eyes to the fact that she was wanting, delivering grace, and he was offering sustaining grace. I thought to myself, wow, that's cool, I missed that. (laughs) It wasn't for me. So, go to Psalm 46. I'm going to give you three passages to begin with, to begin you on this journey of starting to, well, instead of remembering your favorite things, why don't you remember the promises that God's already given you? Psalm 46 Bible says to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs Let's listen to Psalm 46 God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble Therefore we will not fear though the earth gives way Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. By the way, the Bible does say that's going to actually happen in the very last days. We ain't worried about it. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters His voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress." How many of you, and I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands here, but how many of you, when you're watching the news and seeing all the chaos that's going on all over the world in the Ukraine and Sudan and the bombings and the shootings and all this stuff as things continue to get worse and worse, and even our own country starting to get kind of crazy and run away from God, isn't it tempting to start going, what's going on? You need to be filled with the Spirit. You need to believe what God has said. Amen. It's in the present tense, it's a command, it's for all of us. And how does it begin? You go to him and you drink. You say, Lord, well, you've said this, and I believe you. And all of a sudden, well, how does Paul say it in Philippians chapter 4? He says, don't be anxious about anything, but with everything, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And what will happen? The peace that passes understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. People have said, well, I tried it. It didn't work. <laughs> yeah. No, you didn't. Because either... You didn't do it the way God said, or you just said that God's word is wrong. Which is it? It's time that we started to own up to the fact that, folks, that what Paul's praying for us is available to us, and if we even respond with hanging in there, doing the best I can, just trying to make do, we don't know what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Oh, you're indwelt with the Spirit if Christ is in you. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying you're not saved, but shouldn't we begin to understand what it means? Don't be foolish. Understand what God's will is. Let me give you two more ones real quick. Go on, Psalm 34. Psalm 34. <clears throat> I will bless the Lord at all times. I will praise, his, sorry, His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Drink of him. (laughs) blessed is the man who takes refuge in him oh fear the lord you his saints for those who fear him have no lack the young lions suffer want and hunger but those who seek the lord lack no good thing come O oh children listen to me i will teach you the fear of the lord what is what man is there who desires life and loves many good days that he may see good keep your tongues from evil and your lips from speaking deceit turn away from evil and do good seek peace and pursue it the eyes of the lord are toward the righteous and he hears In his ears toward their cry, the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears, and he delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. One more, Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Some of the translations say worship Him with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us and we are His. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. How many of you remember the days when the guy would finish his sermon and then he'd probably close with a, with a song? Remember that? Remember those days? That was actually Quite biblical. That was actually quite biblical. We used to always joke about three points in a poem. But actually, you understand how important it is to sing to the Lord? We're not going to take the time to go there. But a lot of the songs we sing nowadays actually are more about us than they are about him. Sing to the Lord. Praise him for who he is focus of our singing should not be us. The focus of our singing should be who He is. And when you take your eyes off of you and you put them back on Him, He does something within you because He's already there waiting, chomping at the bit to help. He's ready. He's willing. He's pursuing. He's saying, let me. Let me. Okay, God, then I'll let you. But you've got to do it this way. No, 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 no. you just got to give it to me. And He will take over in such a way. Well, as I shared with you before, back when, uh, Becky and I were expecting our first child. Becky started to bleed. And we are scared. We're two young people. We look back at those pictures and think, how in the world did anybody dare give us a kid? <laughs> we didn't even know what we were doing. By the way, Elise and AJ, we still don't. <laughs> and we ain't telling you nothing you don't know. But when Nicole was, 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 was uh, inside of Becky, she started to bleed. We rushed to the hospital and they said, you need to go, uh, we went to our, do- our, our baby doctor and they said, you go to the hospital right now. We rushed next door to the hospital and they did some internal tests and then they gave us the results and sent us back to our baby doctor. And I looked at Dr. Cease and I said, Dr. Cease, is our baby gonna live? And he looked at me and he says, I don't know. He said, but I know who does know. And he grabbed our hands and he prayed right there in the room for our baby that was so cool. We left the hospital, and left the doctor's office, Becky was still bleeding, and we had no news. We had nothing to tell us that anything was better. We went and got ice cream. We, actually, we were rich, we ate at Wendy's and had Frosty's. And uh, I remember sitting there going, Why are we sitting here eating ice cream when we feel so good? Earlier today, we were freaked out, panicked, worried, ran to the hospital, ran to the doctor, nothing's changed, and we're sitting here eating ice cream, and we're happy. Why? And God says, because I'm giving you the peace that passes understanding. Now, in our situation, Nicole came out, and she's 20 years old. Doesn't mean that that always works out that way, but the peace is the same. He gives you whatever you need for whatever it is he's going to take you through, and it's time We knew what the scripture says and we put it in our hearts and when those times come we receive the filling of the Spirit. There's more to it. We'll get to that later. But for now, why don't we just begin with believing what he has said and letting him give us the peace that passes understanding. Oh, his filling takes on other shapes and forms and fashions and we'll get to that in time. But for now, learn how to praise him and think on our favorite one and you won't feel so bad let me pray for us father again thank you so much for the fact that your word when we allow you to teach us and to take us through it your word actually takes us to truth and lord i could even sense in this room as we just sit there and read the psalms i could sense your peace coming over a lot of us already lord i thank you for the fact that uh you're waiting anxiously to share with us these truths to give us your your filling and your Spirit's power. This prayer that Paul prayed for us that we would understand and have our eyes open and understand this power and the the, the glorious riches of our our inheritance, all this stuff, Lord, this wasn't a prayer he prayed. This was something you put on his heart to pray for us. It's your heart. It's your desire. So, Lord, baby steps is what we need. You know that. Take us to a deeper understanding of your filling and your control. And may it always line up with your word. We pray this in your name.